Okay, let's get it. Locked on LSU, your team every day. I'm Matt Moscona. Glad you're with us here. You can catch me, ESPN Radio, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Alexandria, and Cox Sports TV right here every weekday on the Locked on LSU podcast. Tigers beat Ole Miss 58-37 in Oxford. Uh, LSU jumped out 28 to nothing. The Rebels would score before half. Uh, LSU would also tack on a field goal. They'd go to the break up 31-7, to and then the fireworks started. Uh, Ole Miss scored on two of its first three plays in the second half, and it became a track meet. Uh, Ole Miss would put up two touchdowns in the third quarter, two more in the fourth quarter. They did tack on a couple of two-point conversions, so 30 points scored for the Rebels in the second half. Uh, LSU never took their foot off the accelerator. Uh, Tigers followed up a 31-point first half with a third, with a 27-point second half. So it was a day where if you like defense, you were probably looking for a vomit bag. Uh, Ole Miss with 614 yards of total offense, LSU with 714 yards of total offense. That's the third highest total in the history in history for a school, an SEC school in an SEC game against an SEC opponent. Um, Ole Miss ran the ball for 402 yards against LSU. The Lions share that coming from uh, quarterback John Rice Plumley the freshman who ran it 21 times for 212 yards, including a long of 60, which was the first play of the second series of the second half for uh, Ole Miss. Jerry Ely, 13 carries for 141 yards for Ole Miss. And as you probably would imagine, the defense has been the question uh, that Ed Ogeron had to answer post-game and what has most LSU fans talking now throughout the weekend and into Monday. Here was uh, Ed Ogeron talking about uh, what Ole Miss was able to do so effectively. Well, obviously they're running the counter, the zone read and stuff like that. Well, man short sometimes. Some guys will miss some tackles. They'll run into sweeps on the outside. Uh, they faked the reverse one time. We've, we've been on the reverse. He ran up uh, to the right side. There were quarterback runs. We're going to stop the quarterback runs. Ogeron acknowledged afterwards the fact was LSU was out of position quite a bit defensively, and that – Almost goes without saying, but here was Ozeron talking about defensive alignment and LSU being out of position. No, we didn't expect, I didn't expect that. No, really didn't expect us to be that far out of position and for, for them to make those big plays. Obviously, uh, that's uncharacteristic for us to get that many big runs up. we got to look at it. A couple of more from Ogeron. Uh, this is just on the defensive performance as a whole overall. Now, obviously, 400 yards rushing. I don't know if I have a better part of a team to give up 400 yards rushing, so... Uh, you know, you don't you don't want that on your football team. So we're going to need to look at it. need to look at it on film, see where we went wrong, uh, schematically, personnel-wise, technique, whatever it may be, we're going to fix it. The bottom line is, you know, when you win, win games, you, know, you kind of pick pick things apart and stuff like that. The object is to win the game. And LSU did win. They won by three touchdowns on the road in an SEC game. The offense continued rolling. Trust me, there was plenty of good, and we're going to talk about the, the very, very good uh, in this ball game as well as LSU moves forward. But there, the obvious question has been about the defense and if the defense could become a liability for LSU, which is so odd to say. And I have some thoughts on it, but here's one more from Ed Ogeron. He was asked if there was a hangover from the Alabama game. Well, we, we started fast. I mean, there was no hangover. There was none of that stuff that they were talking about this and that. We, we were ready to play. I mean, we understood 
coming over here and they, they're going to play a lot better at home. And these guys understood what was at, what was at, at stake, you know. So I completely agree with Ogeron. Anyone that's going to suggest that perhaps there was an Alabama hangover, I just don't buy that. LSU came right out the chute, took the ball, scored on its first possession. Uh, it came up with stops time and time again in the first half. LSU, early in the second quarter, led the game 28 nothing. <laughs> I mean, LSU was up four touchdowns at the – uh, two thirty-one. I'm sorry. This was uh at the eight twenty-seven mark, the, the midway point of the second quarter. LSU was up twenty-eight to nothing. There was no f- talk of a hangover at that point. Ole Miss did put together a touchdown drive to make it twenty-eight-seven. Then LSU tacked on a field goal right before half to make it thirty-one-seven. At that point, the, part of the crowd started clearing out. You're up thirty-one to seven at that point. I don't think. If anything that potentially was an issue Saturday, I would suggest it was coming out in the second half. Arizona, uh, Arizona, Ole Miss, coached by former Arizona head coach uh, Rich Rodriguez, offensive coordinator, Rich Rodriguez, made some adjustments offensively, obviously based on what LSU was scheming defensively. I think LSU defensively got complacent, and you have good athletes. John Rice Plumley's a good athlete. When you think about Jerion Ely, Jerion Ely's a really good athlete at running back. He's a guy that's a potential first-round pick in baseball. Those are two outfielders on the Ole Miss baseball team. Like, they are really fast, athletic guys with straight-line speed, and if if LSU didn't read their keys, then this is what happened. Now, there also has been this sort of conversation about, you know, would this cost LSU in the polls, the fact that defensively they didn't play well. Bottom line is, it just didn't happen. LSU still number one in the AP poll with 54 first-place votes. Ohio State second with five first-place votes. Clemson got three. Uh, in the coaches' poll, LSU 55 first-place votes. Uh, Ohio State six and Clemson four. So LSU's still a distant number one, uh, far and away the number one team in the country. So it didn't impact pollsters. My guess is most people saw the first quarter of that ball game and then looked over at uh, Oklahoma and Baylor, who played a really good football game uh, with a big comeback, and said, all right, LSU's got this one in hand. Let's go check on uh, Oklahoma and Baylor. And that's what they watched. They watched that game where Oklahoma rallied for a win. Most people didn't see the second half. They probably just assumed, ah, big lead, LSU put in their backups, and Ole Miss got some going in the second half, which is kind of what happened. But I'll put it to you this way as well. Uh, in my opinion, I think we've seen this. We've We've had this feeling after an LSU game once before this year. And it was the Vanderbilt game, where you were on the road against an inferior team, and they put up a lot of yards and points. And LSU won that day 66-38. to Now, Vanderbilt did put up two defensive scores in that ball game, but they were able to put up a lot of yards also. Vandy put up 370 yards of total offense. They threw for 229, ran it for 145. Uh, they actually, Vandy won time of possession. But LSU scored 28 first quarter points. They got up huge in this ball game and never really looked back. So we came in the week after the Vanderbilt game and a lot of people wondered, well, is this LSU defense not very good? Are are they a liability? Is this going to cost the team? And I think the players collectively and the coaches heard that. They were dissatisfied with their performance. A week later, they had Utah State coming in 
And remember, Utah State, Jordan Love at quarterback, projected you know possible first-round draft pick. They were putting up over 500 yards of total offense, Utah State was. LSU held Utah State to six points and 159 yards of offense. LSU held Utah State 400 yards below its season total. My point is, when this team focuses against an inferior opponent, they have been dominant. Week one against Georgia Southern, LSU held them to 98 yards of total offense. So, enter Arkansas. Arkansas is a brutal football team. They are winless in the SEC. They've already fired their coach. They are coming off a bye. But LSU with a win on Saturday clinches a spot in the SEC championship game. It's a Saturday night in Tiger Stadium, and a lot of people, defensively especially, are going to be upset about the way they played in the second half against Ole Miss. And my opinion is LSU is going to come out and put Arkansas in a complete and total chokehold. So let's see how this weekend goes with Arkansas coming into uh, to Tiger Stadium. But the bottom line is, I get the defensive concern, but LSU's 10-0. They put up 58 points. They won a road conference game by three touchdowns. They're far and away the number one team in the country. Winning at this point is the only thing that matters. It's going to put you in meaningful games later, and LSU did that again this weekend, and they should do it the next two Saturdays. Go to Atlanta and have a chance to win the SEC for the first time since 2011 and ultimately uh, play themselves into the college football playoff. The overwhelming positive from this game was offense. And LSU set a ton of offensive records, and we'll run through some of those when we come back. Locked on LSU, your team every day. Last week on the show, we told you that Joe Burrow needed just 150 yards to break Rohan Davies' uh, LSU single-season passing record of 33-47, which had stood since the 2001 season. It was a foregone conclusion that it was going to happen against Ole Miss, and it happened on a pass completion to Jamar Chase in the first quarter of the game on Saturday, and Joe Burrow becomes LSU's single-season passing record. He already holds the LSU single-season passing touchdown record. Uh, That record was 28, and Joe Burrow now, with five more touchdown passes on Saturday, is at 38 touchdowns, and he's at 3,687 yards passing. So when you start to project Arkansas, Texas A&M, SEC championship against Georgia and potentially a playoff game, a semifinal, and then the championship game, Joe Burrow could play five more games. It's possible that Joe Burrow will throw for 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns in this season. What is an almost certainty is that Joe Burrow will break Tim Couch's SEC single season passing mark. Uh, Back in 1998, Couch threw for 4,275 yards. Joe Burrow is less than 500 yards away from eclipsing that. He will absolutely break that mark. Uh, Johnny Manziel is second with 41-14 in his 2013 season, not his Heisman year, the year following his Heisman season. Uh, Third place on that list is Chad Kelly with 4,042 yards in 2015. That means only three quarterbacks in the history of the SEC have ever thrown for 4,000 yards. If you're wondering, uh, Tua a year ago, 39-66. Drew Locke, 39-64. That was in 2017. Um, Jordan Ta'amu a year ago, 39-18 for Ole Miss. So you've had some really nice seasons. Uh, Burroughs is going to eclipse all of them. It is worth mentioning, though, that Couch's 1998 season, 11-game regular season, and bowl stats did not count. So 
Couch's 42-75 was done in just 11 games, which is stunning. But Burrow has a chance with a monster day against Arkansas. Well, at 36-87, he would need <laughs> he would need you know, 600 yards thereabouts against Arkansas to break that in 11 games, which won't happen. But Joe Burrow will break Tim Couch's SEC single-season passing mark as well. And when you consider the players that he's passed, um, Rex Grossman, Aaron Murray, Ryan Mallett, Peyton Manning, Dak Prescott, as we mentioned, you know, guys like Johnny Manziel, he'll pass Tim Couch and Chad Kelly. It puts into perspective just how incredible Joe Burrow's season has been, and he will win the Heisman Trophy, as we've talked about. But he did become LSU's single-season passing record, and the former record holder, Rohan Davey, uh, recorded a video that LSU football's official Twitter account released congratulating um, Joe Burrow on breaking the record. Joe, what's up, baby? Congratulations, my man. Got a chance to meet you last year on your way in. Um, knew you were going to do great things. Uh, once I met you and saw how dedicated you were to this program, man, I couldn't think of a better guy to break the single season passing record that I've held now for 18 years. Congratulations on your march to the Heisman Trophy. Congratulations on your march to the national championship. We, LSU Nation, me, Rohan Davey, we are behind you the whole time, my man. Congratulations again and go Tigers. Classy move from an awesome guy there with Rohan Davey congratulating Joe Burrow. But Burrow's mark wasn't the only bit of history that came out of Saturday. Uh, Jamar Chase is now the single-season touchdown, a receiving touchdown record holder. He breaks a uh, – um, that's 13. So he breaks the mark that had been held by Dwayne Bow. Um, it Both uh, Jefferson – I'm sorry, both – uh, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase eclipsed 1,000 yards receiving on the season. That is the third time in SEC history that that has happened, to have a, a duo from the same team go over 1,000 yards receiving in the same season, which is just incredible to think. And then on top of that as well, both um, uh, both Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson have been named Bolitnikoff semifinalists which, of course, goes to the best wide receiver in college football, and LSU's got two of them. Just a remarkable day. You know, when you go put up 700 yards of offense, a lot of records are going to fall, and we continue to see that. Clyde Edwards-Elair, a monster day as well for LSU against uh, uh, against Ole Miss as he went uh, for 170 rush yards in the ball game uh, against the Rebels. He continues his tear, 23 rushes for 172 yards uh, for Clyde on Saturday. And then also receiving uh, against Ole Miss, Clyde had four catches for 22 yards. So he came just shy of 200 yards of total offense, but his stock just continues to elevate. So a monster day for LSU and the record book, which is under assault, and it's been a lot of fun to watch this. A couple more games in the regular season for the Tigers. An SEC championship no doubt awaits with one win over the final two weeks, which they'll certainly get this week against Arkansas. Uh, by the way, LSU is a 46-point favorite over the Hogs in Tiger Stadium on Saturday. And according to David Purdom of ESPN.com, their chalk section, this is the largest point spread in an SEC game since 1978. Absolutely incredible. Uh, 41 years, this is the largest. When you think of all of the great teams in the SEC and some of the bad ones they played, 
the largest point spread in an SEC game since 1978. Uh, LSU Arkansas this Saturday night, 6 o'clock from Tiger Stadium. We'll be counting you down to it all week. All right, uh, when we come back, LSU recruiting uh, continues its role. And Hoops uh, played a game this weekend. Stick around. As we put a button here on a Monday edition of the Locked on LSU podcast, more recruiting gets for Ed Ogeron and his staff. Sunday night, Aaron Hunley popped for the Tigers. Uh, He is a 2021 defensive lineman. So LSU for 2020, already 25 verbal commits, and no doubt there's going to be some attrition in that class as LSU looks to add some more of the elite blue chip prospects for the 2020 class. But LSU's already building 2021. Uh, They already have four-star edge rusher Landon Watson. Uh, West Monroe punter Peyton Todd is also committed for 2021. And now you've got uh, Aaron Hunley. Hunley is a defensive lineman out of Florida. He is 6'3", 275. He's got double-digit offers, had been committed to Miami, uh, committed to them in May, but now is decommitted from Miami did so in August, and has committed now to LSU. It is hard to admit, uh, acknowledge, or or imagine anyone not, any prospect not being in, enthralled with what LSU is doing right now. And when you just think about the defensive line, it's the spot where LSU has been the thinnest. And some of that has been attrition with guys like Davin Cotton leaving. But also when you look ahead, you're losing this year both Braden Fajoko and Rashard Lawrence you need to fortify that spot. You assume Tyler Shelvin and uh, Apuaika back next year at nose tackle, but you got to build up your ends. Uh, Neil Farrell will obviously be back. You like what Justin Thomas brought to you this year, uh, while he was uh, with while he was with the team and hoping that he might have a chance to rejoin the team at some point. But yeah, as Ed Ogeron said, but you've got to fortify those numbers, and part of that has been missing on some guys that you really wanted. In recent recruiting classes, of course, Ish Sopcher a year ago was was a big fish you know, from just down the road uh, in a meet that LSU didn't get. Who went to Bama? You got to be able to fortify those numbers on the defensive line. Ed Ogeron and his staff are doing it in this 2020 class and already getting a jump on 2021, which is uh, fantastic to see. So, um, Aaron Hundley, four-star defensive lineman out of Miami for 2021, commits to LSU over the weekend. Also over the weekend, LSU hoops was on the floor. Uh, Tigers played Nichols at the Maravich Center on Saturday. It was a 3 o'clock tip uh, before, obviously, the LSU uh, football game on the road against Ole Miss. Tigers win by 10, 75-65. This is a good Nichols team. Uh, This is a tough Nichols team, a veteran team, that went on the road to Illinois and uh, lost in overtime 78-70 and then went on the road to Pitt and won last Saturday 75-70. So this is a good Nichols team, and I know we've talked about it before, but Will Wade is so good at doing the math. He knows what non-conference wins are going to look good to the to the computers come, come postseason tournament time. And when you play mid-majors that you know are going to get to that 20-win benchmark and you get that win, that's going to be a really nice-looking potential quadrant one win Come March, so Will Wade knows what he's doing uh, in the in this um, uh, in these in, in scheduling these types of games. So while a, a November win over Nichols may not move the meter right now for LSU, 
it's it's a big win when you look at potential resume builders. And LSU had four uh, players, excuse me, five players in four, excuse me, in double figures. Uh, Charles Manning had nine. Uh, Days had 17. Trendon Watford had 17. Uh, Skylar Mays led the Tigers with 18. And Emmett Williams had 11 points in the ballgame. Of course, the big stat um, continues to be the turnovers. Uh, LSU with 25 turnovers in this ballgame, and that's something they just got to improve on. It was the bugaboo against... Um, against VCU on the road, the 26 turnovers that led to 37 points, 25 turnovers on Saturday uh, for LSU against Nichols. They're still figuring out how to play together, and I'm willing to be patient to give them time, especially as long as they're winning. But that's something that they clearly have got to get fixed. Tigers are going to play UMBC Tuesday night. Remember, Maryland-Baltimore County is the team that upset one seed Virginia in the tournament a couple of years ago. So UMBC comes into the Maravich Center for a 6 o'clock game on Tuesday. We will preview that tomorrow on the Locked on LSU podcast. Also, Tuesday night, we will have the college football playoff uh, committee ranking, so that's to come later in the week as well. Later today, Monday, Ed Ogeron will uh, have his weekly press luncheon meeting with the media, so on tomorrow's episode, we'll also recap what Coach O had to say, uh, recapping Ole Miss and previewing the Hogs. Until then, it is Locked on LSU, your team every day.